Score after two periods here at Clarkson is Merrimack 3, Clarkson nothing on the back end of a weekend set. Warriors fell last night 3-2, to two, trying to get a split of the weekend series here. It's time now to turn to the Mac report and Mike McMahon. And, well, Mike, it's a situation the Warriors haven't been in very often. I don't think they've been in it yet this season. A three-goal lead after two periods of play, and they took advantage of some bad penalties that Clarkson took and have done a good job on the penalty kill. They're getting terrific goaltending from Rasmus Tiernan. Yeah, you know, it's sort of funny. We, we've talked a little bit about it, and even uh, Mark Denny has talked about it as well. He hasn't really felt that he's had a goalie steal a game for him yet this year. And he's got a goaltender tonight that's stealing a game on a night where they're getting goals, so it's all sort of coming together at the same time. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, haven't seen a situation like that too often, but uh, those penalties late in the first or early in the second, Clarkson almost seemed to self-destruct a bit there. And, and uh, you know, we talked about it. Merrimack was going to need to take advantage of the situation, and they did. Yeah, and, and it's good to see them finally be able to do that. I mean, that's been a, an area struggle. They've had opportunities in other games, I think, to, to pull away with leads at times, or at least give themselves a lead at times, and, and they weren't able to do it. So, uh, you know, I think this this serves as not only a, a confidence booster, but I mean, I think it goes to show that they're starting to move in the right direction a little bit. Well, a lot to talk about. Let's start off with the outdoor games, Fenway Park today. Uh, obviously, a lot of trouble over there with Lowell and Northeastern, Maine and BU, and a lot of rain there in Boston. I mean, it seems to me as though maybe they could have, uh, you know, mitigated the problem if they decided to reschedule the games based on the forecast. They didn't do that, and it's probably, you know, you had the, the column this week on College Hockey News uh, saying that enough is enough with the outdoor games, and, and I imagine that today, a, a day like today at, at Fenway, that's only going to lead to more and more of that discussion. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny because I was I was reading uh, Norm Bates' comments after their first game today. Uh, Lowell had the early game, not even the game that got interrupted with the weather. I mean, it was still bad conditions, but, uh, you know, he had said something to the effect of, you know, the conditions were bad, and uh, just, you know, it was a good experience Experience, but still, I mean, you're afraid about guys getting hurt in, in ice on ice like that. A couple of the photos I saw this morning where you could actually see lines in the ice, you know, where the refrigeration pipes are underneath the ice. So you could see where it was soft and wet and warm, uh, and you could see it was a little harder underneath where, right where those pipes were. So uh, the, the column that I wrote actually got more positive response. More people agreed with it than I thought. Uh, I thought I was going to get a lot of, uh, hey, why are you trying to take the fun out of, you know, trying to steal our fun and things like that. But, uh, you know, I think my my biggest concern is if I were a coach would be that I'm going to have a guy out there one day that gets a skate either stuck in a rut or, or you know or whatever and, and you know what, what are we going to do if we end up with a guy that a 20 year old kid that blows out a knee and let's say you know it's for sake of argument say it's Johnny Gaudreau I mean what, what, would, what would you do if Johnny Gaudreau tears his knee because he gets a skate, skate cut in a rut on bad ice on an outdoor game I, I, I just think you know it's a nice thing it, it's a nice thing to do once in a while it's a nice thing when they keep it as a novelty uh, there's just so much of it now I mean I I forget the numbers. I looked them up the other day. But I think there's 11 college hockey games, Division One men, 11 college hockey games that are going to be outdoors this year. Uh, six more in the NHL. I mean, it just—it's way too much. Oh. Oversaturated. Yeah, I mean, to me, you know, that's a couple of different arguments, right? I mean, if, if the concern is that the ice is going to be bad and that somebody might get hurt, then don't play any of them ever. You know, if, 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 the, if the concern is that there's too many of them, then cut it down so that you only have certain ones. But I think you have a unique situation in Boston with with, uh, you know, with Fenway Park and the Red Sox and Hockey East, and you have this partnership there where it's been successful so far. I don't know what the attendance was today. Have you heard it yet? But they sold 31,000 tickets last week. They may not have been 31,000 people in the stands at any given moment, but I will tell you, going downstairs after the first game, 
there were a lot of people walking around. It was like you were at a Red Sox game. So there are a lot of people buying tickets and going to these games. And uh, if people don't like them, then they can vote with their dollars and vote with their feet and not go to the games, right? And that's that's why they're still here. I mean, because they're selling tickets. There's 100,000 people that watch the Winter Classic. You know, I think the stadium series in the NHL is selling pretty well, too. So, well, By the way, I'll just mention 100,000 people who bought tickets. The ratings yep. they got for that game are better than any game they've had on TV in a long time. Yep. No, so, I mean, I, under, I certainly understand why they're here. And uh, a big concern of mine would be if I had players in the game would be, you know, are guys going to get hurt? But at the same time, uh, you know, I, I'm okay playing it once in a while. I just, I just think there's way too much of it. And I think the more games you play, the more opportunities there are for somebody to go out there and, and potentially get injured. I mean, it, it thankfully didn't happen last weekend. It didn't happen today. And, and really hasn't happened yet. And that was part of Adam's counterpoint was, you know, it hasn't happened yet. But, that, you know, it still doesn't mean that it won't. <laughs> you don't know about the guys that might have tweaked something and they didn't say anything because sure. you know, know how, you know how secretive yet. everybody is with injuries yeah. anyway. Yeah, there's been no catastrophic injuries, yeah. you know. And, right. uh, you know, I guess I used the analogy to somebody that I was I was talking to about the column. They said, well, you know, there hasn't been any big injuries yet. Sort of at the same point as Adam. There hasn't been any big injuries yet, so what's the problem? And I said, yeah, but, you know, we, we didn't think global warming was an issue for a while either. And then all of a sudden it became one. So, I mean, let's... Now you're taking this conversation in a totally different direction. <laughs> that was the analogy I used. I mean, I mean just because it's not a problem now doesn't mean that it won't become. And uh, we don't have a lot of time left, so let's get to the other big hot topic issue. We got the commitment the other day of a 13-year-old for the first time ever to Division One. Uh, Oliver Wallstrom going to commit to the University of Maine. Now, I'll tell you, I had one thought about this when I first heard the story. I had a second thought about it when I read Larry Mahoney's uh, piece in the Bangor Daily News with more information, and my opinion kind of changed about it. What's your thought? Well, I mean, I guess, you know, to give, go into more detail, I guess, uh, Oliver Wallstrom's a 13-year-old who had the, you know, the, the, the big... Uh, uh, internet, YouTube sensation, and that great goal that he scored at the Garden and the mini one-on-one, right? And, and, and then he committed as a 13-year-old to the University of Maine, uh, but his father, it turns out, went to the University of Maine. They, of their own accord, went to Maine, met with them, and said, we want to go here, we want to want to commit now. So my thought is, I don't think you want this happening all the time, but if a 13-year-old wants to come and tell you, I really want to come and play for you and, and, and commit right now, who's going to say no, especially a kid who could be as good as, as this kid could turn out, turn out to be? Absolutely. And, and, you know, because the rules are he would have to go to them. They can't contact him without an initial contact from them first because of how young he is. So he would have had to make that first move. And, you know, the... It's it's odd, okay. It's definitely weird. I mean, you see that that number, a 13 year old in 2000 that commits, but it happens in other sports too. I mean, USC committed a 13 year old quarterback a couple years ago. It just to me, it doesn't really mean anything until they sign that national letter of intent. A million things could happen. I mean, this kid isn't coming in for six years. Uh, you know, he could decide that he doesn't want to go to Maine and decommit go somewhere else. He could decide he wants to go to Major Junior. I mean, it, it, a million different things could happen between now and when he actually shows up. So, uh, if he wants to commit at 13. I say great, you know, good for him. <laughs> I guess the question is, you know, is it indicative of a larger problem? And certainly there have been younger and younger players who have committed, so this one really stands out, but I still feel like it's almost a, a different situation from a lot of those other ones, because you do have the, the family relationship, yeah. the father who's played there, they're really dead set, they love the school, um, it, it, you know, it, it seems to me almost like a unique situation. Exactly, and it's one of those things where, you know, it's it's these verbal commitments are, are structured, I mean, they're not even structured in any way, they're, they're there's no structure to them at all. It's just, you know, you verbally agree, I'm going to come to your school and I'm going to get, you know, X amount of dollars, and, and it's, but it's all verbally agreed on. So, I mean, really, uh, there's no enforcement. There's really nothing binding 
him to go there. I mean, that's the thing. I think and like, the other thing too is I don't see. You know, some people talk about regulation. I don't see how you could regulate it because yeah, yeah, because yeah. verbals unregulated anyway. They're not. The NCAA doesn't doesn't recognize them. Yeah, you can't. That's why you know some of the reaction on Twitter was, oh well, a 13 year old doesn't know what he wants at 13. Well, the beauty of that is that he can change his mind and go somewhere else. I mean, there's nothing binding him to go to Maine. He's not like he's tied there or contractually obligated to go there. Yeah, the other way around too. If he turns out not to be that good, I mean, really not good at all, then you know maybe that they, they back off as well. Absolutely, and they have every right to do so. I mean, that's what the the, the verbal commitment for the most part it doesn't mean anything until they sign something. So here's the question: I'll put you on a spot right now before we let you go. Should there be some type of you know agreement across the board? Everybody agree that we're not going to do this, or just let it go as as it has been going. You know, I, I'd like to see some sort of verbal agreement or some sort of agreement. <laughs> go back to verbal yeah. again. Some, <laughs> some sort of agreement. A verbal agreement about yeah. verbal agreement. Exactly. Uh, among coaches, I, I think that would be good. But at the same time, I, I think there's enough people that, that probably would ignore it anyway yep. that, that there's really no stopping it. All right, Mike. Appreciate it as always. Have a safe trip home. I know you'll be headed home tomorrow. Have a safe trip. And uh, themacreport.com. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Mike McMahon with us. Score after two is Merrimack 3, clocks and nothing. Back after this, you're listening to live coverage of Merrimack Hockey.